Get ready for your daily dose of marketing strategies and tactics from entrepreneurs with the guile and experience to help you find success in any marketing capacity. You're listening to Marketing School with your instructors, Neil Patel and Eric Sue. Hey, Marketing School listeners, I have an interesting stat for you. Did you know that Walmart improved their conversion rate by 2% for every second that they improved their load time? In other words, website speed helps with conversions. In addition to that, Google uses it to determine where your site ranks in their index. So the faster your website loads, the higher you'll rank. For that reason, I want to talk to you today about a company called DreamHost. DreamHost powers the web with fast websites and superior customer service brought to you by a team of web experts who are super committed to your success online. We've worked with them to create a special offer just for Marketing School listeners. All you have to do is go to dreamhost.com slash school to learn more and get your website online today. Welcome to another episode of Marketing School. I'm Eric Sue, And I'm Neil Patel. And today we're going to talk about seven elements of an effective marketing report. So first and foremost... Ideally, if you're if you have stakeholders involved, or it's you and your partners, whatever it is exactly, uh, other investors, I think you want to keep it very concise. So the first thing is, ideally, you have your high level goals, right? Whether it's a specific KPIs you're targeting, and then how far you are from the targets, make it very clear and make it very simple for people to understand. So, for example. If, you know, for us, we're trying to get our uh, our monthly qu- number of qualified leads up to two hundred per month. Okay, so you know, how are we doing in relation to that target? Are we? Is it a? Is it a green? Is it yellow? Is it red? So you have different kind of um, different kind of thresholds. So a green might be you know you're eighty percent of the way there. Uh, or, you know, yellow might be maybe you're fifty percent of the way there, and red is maybe you're you know twenty percent of the way there. So you're way off target, right? Think about what system works for you. But ideally, you have your targets laid out so it's easy for people to digest. Otherwise, you're going to put a bunch of stuff in there that no one understands and it gets confusing. Yeah, so another thing to think about with the effective marketing report is your growth rate. Most people look at growth rate as month over month. And I learned this tactic from Facebook. You're not supposed to look at it month over month. You're ideally supposed to look at it day over day or week over week or whatever you want to do. But it shouldn't be more than week over week, um, ideally day over day. And most of you, just like me, don't have a big enough business like Facebook. So day over day is going to be hard. But you should look at it week over week. And what they do is they don't just calculate growth being like, oh, okay, we started the uh, month with 100 visitors and then we got to 110. And then from there, you know, we got to 120. And then from there, we got to 130. And look, it's growing and things are good. What they do is, let's say you started the first week with 100 visitors. And I'm doing this to keep the math really simple, right? And the next week, if you get 110, right? Or, or let's say you, you're at 100, you got 10 more. That's a 10% growth. So you're just like, oh, awesome. We're growing uh, 10 visitors per week. So that's 10% growth. The next week, if you're growing at another 10, someone could look at it as like, oh, that's amazing. You're growing at another 10. So it keeps going up. That's awesome numbers. Well, not really, because if you grow by extra 10 and you now have 110, right? So you had 100 the first week, then 110. And then if you had another 10, that's 120. But you added 10, so 10 divided by 110, right? So you got 10 new ones from the original base of 110. That's now a 9% growth. So technically, your growth rate's decreasing. And then if you get another 10 to get you out to 130, so then you would do 10 divided by 120, that's roughly an 8.3% growth. 
In essence, it shows that your growth rate is decreasing. You want to maintain, if not continually have a bigger growth rate. So if you're adding 10% more users, it should continually be 10% more each and every single week. And the way you do that is you take all the new visitors you gain, and then you add in the extra growth from there, and you divide those numbers, and it'll show your growth rate. So don't just look at the total visitor count being like, oh, I'm continuing getting 10 more visitors each week. You need to make sure your weekly growth rate is growing. And if it's not, there's going to be an inflection point where it's not going to keep growing. But when you're starting off, it should. And this is something you need to have in your reports because it'll tell you the health of the business and how fast you can grow and projections that you can end up creating from it. Um, so that way you can figure out fundraising, if you should hire more sales team, support, et cetera, where you should be spending money, where you shouldn't be. But look at your growth, at least from a week over week standpoint. And don't just look at the total number and be like, yeah, we're continually adding 10 people or 100 people every week or whatever number it is. Look at the growth rate and that growth rate should be staying the same, if not uh, increasing every week, especially when you're new. If you're not, then start looking to growth hacking tactics. All right. And number three, I'll keep it very simple. So ideally, when you have a report, you don't need, especially if you're starting out, you don't need all the bells and whistles. You don't need to be paying six figures uh, plus for you know a super crazy uh, reporting system. You can use something simple like Google Spreadsheets, Excel, or you can even use a tool like Scythe. That's C-Y-F-E, and it's only $20 a month. Now, Scythe will let you basically, you can hook it in with uh, certain spreadsheets too to pull data from there, or you can hook in with your analytics too. You can hook in with your, your advertising accounts. It just makes everything simple and, and, and easy to understand. And then you can also export it as a report, I believe. But um, you want to have some kind of, you know, some kind of uh, basic thing to look at where, again, we're trying to keep it very simple, right? Easy for people to to understand. So you can use tools like this. And then uh, I believe there's also a tool called uh, GA Data Grabber. That's uh, so GA, like Google Analytics, Data Grabber. You can check that out. Um, it allows you to put together simple reports. And there's also other tools out there that make things easy. But these are kind of the, the simple, the simplest of the simplest. One thing that you need to also do is through tools like Kissmetrics, Mixpanel, etc. You need to track the lifetime value of your customer and the cost to acquire a customer. So this will tell you that, hey, you know, if a customer is $500, but you're only spending $20 to acquire them and it's highly profitable, it'll show you to spend more and decrease your profit margins because that's okay, right? Your profit's so high that you may want to just continue to dump more and more money into marketing. But don't look at marketing just from like, yeah, our revenue is growing. Like you need the metrics. Like here's what a customer is worth and here's what we're spending on it. And not what a customer is worth just in the short run, but the lifetime value, right? It doesn't matter if you're a software or a subscription or e-commerce. For example, Amazon. I buy on Amazon uh, the first time. It doesn't mean that I'm only worth whatever I spent the first time and whatever Amazon's portion of those fees are. I also come back and I buy from Amazon probably 20 times a year, right? So what is my true value as a lifetime value of a customer to Amazon? They have formulas to calculate this. That helps them determine how much they should be spending on marketing and initiatives and programs like Amazon Prime to acquire customers um, in order to maximize their profit in the long run. So make sure in your marketing reports you're looking at your cost to acquire a customer and your lifetime value of your customer. If you don't have that at the beginning, that's okay. You can use tools like Kissmetrics and Mixpanel to figure that out. 
Yeah. And the next thing you want to look at is your churn too, whether it's your number of customers that you're losing or your revenue churn. So you have two different churns to look at. And if you're unfamiliar with the term of churn, basically it's just how how many customers you're losing or how much revenue you're using um, typically on a percentage. And if you... I think there's a really good post out there by Lincoln Murphy on how much churn is acceptable. And a lot of people, especially in the software space, um, they, you know, they'll talk about churn, you know, being, being okay at, you know, generally one, two, 3%. I think Neil, um, that's what you guys are okay with. That's what VCs are typically looking for, right? Uh, yeah. With churn, they don't want, like ideally it should be under 10% per year, under 20% max, but it should be somewhere between, like if you're doing 10% or less in churn per year, you're doing really good. Right. And so even at 5% or so, this this post by Lincoln, uh, I mean, if you break down the math at the end of the day, let's say, say your churn is 5%, well, that means you need to make back, you know, 48 of your customers or so. Let's say you have 100 customers, you're going to have to make up, make back 48 of those customers. So it is an uphill battle, even with 5% churn. But if you have other things um, like upsells, cross-sells, things like that, you can also even get to negative churn. But that's a whole nother topic. So um, what is number six, Neil? Number six is uh, like, okay, so I'm trying to figure out an easy way to explain this. So I was talking to HubSpot the other day and they have some awesome employees and they have a bigger company than I do. And they, of course, are doing a way better job, especially when it comes from the revenue end, right? And I was talking to one of the guys named Ryan who runs marketing there in Asia Pacific, like Asia, Singapore, Japan, et cetera. I don't know what they call it. Things like APAC or whatever the term that they use. And if you look at how many visitors they get and the results for a headcount, it's still good, but they have way too many people for the results that they're actually getting. So one thing in your report, I'm not saying don't hire more people. The beauty of HubSpot is they're doing so well and their sales team's crushing and even their marketing team overall, like they have enough rockstar employees where they're doing an amazing job. But in your marketing report, you should look at the results, not just for spend, but how many people you have. Because the key with marketing is it should scale without continually adding more and more headcount. You don't want to have a marketing department with 100 people. That's one too many people. You don't want to have a content marketing team filled with 20 people. You don't need that many people within content marketing. You should be able to figure out how to streamline your operations and continually improve your margins. And that's why I say include your headcount in there as well as total spend. So you're looking at the return you're getting for how many dollars you're spending plus how many people are in the department because then you can figure out, all right, I got these results with five people. Does adding in five more people give me double the results, maybe triple the results? If you're getting to a point where you're like, oh, if I added five more people, but I'll only get 20% more of the results, something's off, right? It'll tell you that, hey, don't keep adding headcount. But if you can double up your headcount and get three times the amount of results, then you know you should be doubling up your headcount in marketing. All right. Number seven is your net promoter score. So net promoter score basically allows you to measure the sentiment of your customer. So you can have your promoters, people that are neutral, and then you have your detractors too. And I don't want to go too far in depth, but you can basically Google what is net promoter score and find out how you can calculate this. But it doesn't have to just be net promoter score. Just having a way to quantify um, customer satisfaction is important because then you can figure out how to go out there and, and fix things. And I know other people out there, they might be looking at you know number of support tickets or sentiments uh, based on the support tickets. Uh, but net 
promoter score if we want to keep things simple for both service-based businesses and you know product-based businesses um, it keeps things you know you can you can start just by using a net promoter score with a tool like SurveyMonkey they have the template built out and you can send this out um, it's just you know this is something that you'll probably end up doing perhaps every every month perhaps every quarter but it's important to do just so you know where where your customer base stands so that's it for today's episode of Marketing School we'll see you tomorrow This session of Marketing School has come to a close. Be sure to subscribe for more daily marketing strategies and tactics to help you find the success you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best daily content possible. We'll see you in class tomorrow right here on Marketing School.